an overseer if you guys can meet them. Uh, these are the guys that are holding me accountable. Uh, these are the guys that, that are helping us make wise choices as we move forward. And so essentially our board of directors for our church are other ministers who are uh, seasoned ministers who are ahead of uh, us on this journey so they could help us to make wise choices. And so today we have uh, Pastor Randy Joslin all the way from Farmington, New Mexico. He's here to share. Um, if you've heard him in the past, you know you're going to enjoy him. Great, great communicator. Uh, he's been pastoring up in Farmington for 31 years at the same church, if you can imagine that. It's pretty awesome. Um, I, I, I pray that God will allow me. God, he does his what he wants, and we, we trust him. But I'm always praying, God, you, you let me make an impact with, the, with the, uh, what you want us to do with our, our lives. And I pray it will be like that, just kind of legacy. And so thank you for setting that kind of legacy in our state. I've known Pastor Randy for, uh, for, for a long time. He's a part of our network. For, for years, I've kind of known who he was. Uh, but I get, really got to know I'm going to, to India with him. And then uh, as, as we were looking for other overseers to step in and help us uh, make wise choices, I asked Pastor Randy if he'd be part of our overseer, um, our board of overseers, uh, to help us make wise choices. And I, I value his input so much. Uh, one, because he's been, in, he's been doing this for so many years uh, that he has a lot of good insight. And so he always recommends, if he recommends a book to me, I always go buy that book. I read it. I take it in because uh, I know that he's gonna, he has good insight into what would help me become better. And so um, we, we do this series to model for our church, but also to show we're not in this alone. And the reason the Grove is doing so well is because we have a lot of voices. We have, we have some really healthy voices speaking into our community, into our church, that are saying, hey, keep going. We're encouraging. We're supporting you guys. Uh, we're cheering you on. But we're also challenging you to become the best you can possibly be. And so I just uh, I value him, and uh, he's going to come and share today. Uh, his wife, uh, Debbie, who's been with us in the past, she wasn't able to make it today. Uh, she's her mom in, in Houston having some, some uh, health stuff going on. So uh, she's there. And, in fact, Randy, after we go eat, he's going to go be with her over there. So we appreciate you coming. Yeah, come on up. And uh, would you do me a favor? Would you give it up for Pastor Randy Joslin today? And then one more thing, and I'll let him take over. Um, last night at dinner we were talking, and, and one, of the, one of the great things that, that God has allowed Pastor Randy is a connection to Kenya, Africa. And so for years, he's been traveling to Kenya, doing missions trips, and supporting the, the local church there in Kenya. And uh, God opened some great opportunities for them now. Uh, they started a, a, a nonprofit ministry to feed orphans and take care of orphans there in Kenya, and to begin to sponsor and, and train pastors in Kenya. And so I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, we're praying as a church how we could partner with this organization, uh, Hope for Communities. And so I think maybe even today he might share a little bit about that. Hope you do. And yeah. uh, as, uh, as he shares, encourages us. So do me a favor. Give it up for yeah. Pastor Randy one more time. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. It is a, uh, it's a delight to, uh, to get to be here and uh, to have the opportunity uh, to serve, um, as Pastor Eric has mentioned. Um, and I, I like the way that he termed it as seasoned. Uh, instead of saying old, um, yeah, I feel like the, the uh, farmer's commercial, I know some stuff because I've seen some stuff. And uh, so anything that I can share is, a, uh, is, is just out of a heart. Love what's happening at the Grove. Love what's happening here in Santa Fe, the impact that you're having in community. Love the, love the service to your community uh, that was shared. If you haven't been involved with that, I would just challenge you to... to uh, to get involved with that, and about a year ago, I've actually been going to to Kenya since 1996, and uh, working with uh, in in one particular area of Kenya, and and about a year ago, uh, God opened up another opportunity for us uh, in a different part of Kenya, down in the Transmara area, down near the Mara River, and 
Tanzania border, and and we were there ministering last year, and uh, the pastor uh, in this particular village called Kilgoris, it's a town of about 5,000, uh, they have 200 orphans uh, in a community of 5,000, if you can imagine that, and it's because of civil war, it's because of AIDS, it's because of violence uh, that these uh, orphans are there, and, and uh, he has started an orphanage. Uh, they have about 28 children now. And while we were there, uh, he asked us if we would uh, develop a child sponsorship program, which my wife Debbie had done for other organizations. And, and we shared with him that we would need a, a letter from the Kenya Assemblies of God enabling us to do that. And in February of this year, we, we received that letter uh, from the general superintendent and inviting us to begin the sponsorship program. And along with that, uh, invited us to partner with the Kenya Assemblies of God in reaching unreached areas of Kenya, that there are villages uh, in this particular part of, of Kenya that have never heard the gospel. And uh, so they invited us to partnership with them. Out of that came Hope for Communities, uh, which is our, our own nonprofit. And um, while we were there uh, getting ready to leave, the pastor asked me, he said, would you, would you be willing to help us with some Bibles? And uh, I said, absolutely. And, and then he said something that I was not expecting. He said, the reason I need Bibles is because some of my pastors don't have a complete Bible. Uh, for some of them, Genesis is missing or Revelation is missing. Uh, and uh, my mind immediately went back to my office at home and the number of Bibles that I have on my shelf. And and to know that there were pastors who don't have a complete Bible. And so we are partnering with them uh, also in training pastors and, and, uh, and providing Bibles and resources for them. And, and so if you would just, just keep that in prayer, uh, my wife and I and, and two teams will be returning back to Kenya uh, this next fall and uh, doing some ministry there. And, and uh, so if you would just keep hope for communities in your prayers, uh, we'd appreciate you doing that. And uh, my wife also sends her greetings. Uh, she she regretted that she couldn't be here. Uh, the situation with her mom required her uh, to be there, and I'll be flying out this afternoon to go join them. And so uh, we just want you to know that, that we love being here, uh, love what God's doing through the Grove and, and uh, Pastor Eric and Sincerity and, and you guys. So uh, kudos to you guys, and thank you again for the opportunity to be here. They... Uh, what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments uh, is an unlikely hero. And there are heroes uh, that no one expects. And as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I read about a, uh, a gentleman that uh, when he began life, after he was born, his parents immediately gave him into the care of a nanny. And the nanny was the one who really cared for him. Uh, his mother and father did, did not interact with him uh, hardly at all. Uh, his mother only occasion, occasionally, his father never did. Uh, seven years old, he was sent off to boarding school. And uh, as he was at boarding school, um, his parents received reports that, uh, that he seemed to be unable to learn anything. And his parents would not were not interacting with him. In fact, uh, his mom even forgot to send presents to him for Christmas. 
his dad, when he was in the area of the boarding school, his son would ask him to come, and uh, his never his dad would never come. When he entered his teen years, uh, his dad would not send him to one of the best schools because he said, "If I send you there, you'll only embarrass me," and uh, and I'm I'm not interested in doing that. Uh, when he graduated from high school, he got accepted into a military college, and and he was so excited about about receiving uh, this invitation to attend a military college, he wrote his dad a letter. And it's one of the few times that his dad ever responded to a letter. And he responded this way, You're a constant disappointment to me. Not only are you a complete failure, I see nothing ahead of you but failure. Do not write me anymore. I do not, want to, I do not wish to hear anything more from you. In fact, his senior year in military college, his dad passed away. And you would think with, with all of that going against you that he would be a very unlikely hero. But, but the truth of the matter is that in spite of what all of that meant, he, uh, he became an artist winning several uh, awards. He wrote under a pseudonym. He didn't even use his, his own name. Uh, he also became the author of several books, one of which, uh, was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Uh, he was also selected to be the Prime Minister of England two different times, and you would know him today as Sir Winston Churchill. And out of such a tragic beginning, he became an incredible hero. You see, it's not how you begin. It's not what you experience. It's what do you do with those experiences. Because all of us are going to face challenges in our life. All of us are going to face difficulty. It's, it's not what happens to us. It's about what happens in us. About what happens to those things that happen in our lives. There was nothing under his control that he could do anything about except what he would do and what was inside of him. And today I, I want to talk to you about uh, what I believe is one of the most colorful individuals in all the scripture, a man by the name of Peter. And and I would think that if anyone was to look at his life, they would go that this is a very unlikely hero. I mean as you read through the through the New Testament and read through the Gospels and the and the story of Peter and 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 you just see uh you see an individual that is uh impetuous uh, he's brash sometimes. I mean, after all, he was a fisherman. Uh, I mean, he was in that industry, and and he was known for being rough and tough. And uh, but yet, God saw something in him that probably everyone around him totally missed. And Simon is the son of Jonah. He's born in Bethsaida on, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He marries and has children. He he settles with his family and his mother-in-law in another city on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And Capernaum is unique because even though Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was raised in Nazareth, he moved his center of ministry to the village called Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And it's there that a, that a, a very great encounter takes place. One day his brother Andrew comes and finds him. And Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. And in John chapter 1 and verse 40, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. 
Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Andrew brings Peter to meet Jesus. And as soon as Jesus meets him, he says, I I know what your name is, and I I know everybody calls you Simon, but I've I've got a new name I want to give you. I want to give you the name Peter. Cephas which in the original language means rock. That means something solid, means something uh, that, that is a firm foundation. And when you read through the story of the Gospels and you, and you encounter Peter, so many times we focus on the times when, when Peter blew it, because he blew it a, a number of times. Uh, we focus on the, on the mistakes that he made. Uh, you know, that's one thing about Scripture. I mean, all of the things about Scripture, I've, I've, back years ago, I heard somebody say, well, you know, I, I wish I was written about in, in Scripture. I'm like, not, not me, because <laughs> they, they just tell it how it is. And they, they show all the blemishes, all the mistakes, all that. Uh, I'm good with that. And, and we know that about Peter. Today, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about what God saw in Peter that nobody else saw in Peter that probably he didn't even see inside of him. Because today, I want you to know that God sees things inside of you that no one else sees. And that perhaps you haven't seen. There are some of us today that we think that we have forfeited a dream Because of a mistake that we've made. We've forfeited a great future because of mistakes, because of of challenges that we didn't quite match up to. And today I want you to know, God sees things in you that you don't see, others don't see, but God sees in you. And certainly when, when Jesus encounters Peter and he tells him, look, I know your name's Simon, but I got another name for you. I'm going to call you Rock. There probably weren't many people around going, man, I think that applies to him. You see, because God sees things in us. And today I want to talk to you about three stories from Peter's life that I think demonstrates an incredible foundation, an incredible rock, a man of incredible faith. And the first one begins is in Matthew chapter 14. The disciples have have left, they're going across the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night, and in the middle of the night they're encountering a storm. And in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25, it says about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. Now, before we get too upset with the disciples, remember, this is 3 o'clock in the morning. And they're in the middle of the ocean, the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And they're not thinking they're going to meet somebody just out walking on the water. That Jesus is out for a stroll in the middle of the night. That's not what they're anticipating. So their immediate response is, 
that what we're seeing is an apparition. This is a ghost. This, this can't be real. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Can you imagine being the disciples in this situation? Remember, several of them are fishermen. You know, Peter and Andrew left their nets, their boats. They followed Jesus. John left his nets, his boat, followed Jesus. These are seasoned fishermen. They understand what happens on the Sea of Galilee. Because there's a unique setting that the Sea of Galilee is that creates huge storms and huge waves, and they can come up at a moment's notice. So these are seasoned fishermen that are afraid, that they've seen storms before, but this one is just, is just scaring them. And Jesus attempts to calm their fears by saying, hey, guys, it's, it's just me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter calls out to Jesus and says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come walking to you on the water. Now, I've had the opportunity to be on the Sea of Galilee. And every time that I've been there, I've been there twice. I always go back to this story. And and the two times that I've been there, it was a very calm day. It was a sunshiny day. And, and as I look over the side of the boat on the Sea of Galilee, I think about this story. And I think about what did it take to go over the side of that boat? He's a fisherman. He knows that water does not sustain you. And yet Jesus calls to him, and Peter's immediate response is to go over the side of the boat. Now, there's 11 other disciples that are huddled in the boat, and Peter goes, okay, you called me, I'll come. I think it's also somewhat humorous that Jesus would call somebody named Rock to walk on the water. Rock, rocks and waters don't, don't typically mix. And Jesus says, hey, Rock, come walk on the water. And, and I know we, we talk about it, and it seems like we emphasize the fact, well, he, he got his eyes off of Jesus and he started sinking. But do you know what it took to get out of the boat? To go over the side? Going, Jesus, I trust you. I believe that. I believe that's a man of faith that says, God, I trust you that much. You see, there are some of us today that we're going through storms in our life, and we've got to know that we can trust Jesus. We sang it this morning about the storms in our life, and, and, and when you're going through a storm, that's a tough thing. But, but one of the things I, I love about this was that Jesus went to where the disciples were. Because that's who Jesus is. He will come to you in the midst of your storm. That wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you need to know Jesus will come there. And keep your eyes on Jesus. In fact, I'll tell you this. It's safer to be on the water with Jesus than it is in the boat with 11 scared disciples. 
Peter was safer than they were because of who Jesus is. And we see in this man an incredible faith of going, God, I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand, even when I can't explain what is about to take place. Because there is no explanation. We know about Jesus and the crucifixion, and we know about the disappointment of the fact that that he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. You're familiar with Scripture. You know that story. One of the, probably the greatest disappointment of Peter's life. But after the resurrection and on the day of Pentecost, Peter is who God calls him to be. That he is that rock. Because Peter is the one who stands up to explain to this crowd of people who Jesus is. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Peter says, People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. You see, those are not the words of, of someone who about 40 days prior to this was, was cowed by the, by the question of a servant girl. You're one of his disciples to reply, no, I don't know who you're talking about, even throwing in some swear words just to be sure that they would know that he had never been with Jesus. No, what I see taking place now is he is being who Jesus called him. You're a rock. You're solid. You are, you are the foundation. You are the strength. I mean, you realize he's, he's talking before thousands of Jewish people and telling them, you're the ones who killed him. But death couldn't hold him. You're the ones who, who was involved in it. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Those are bold words. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the one Jesus said, You're the rock, proving to be who Jesus said, That's who I see in you, Peter. I don't see Simon. I see Peter. You see, you may have some mistakes in your life. You have may have blown it a few times. But what God sees in you, he's going to bring to pass. See, here's what Philippians 1.6 says. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, don't get so, so caught up in your mistakes that you miss the great future that God has for you. You see, don't, don't be looking to your past because that's not where you're headed. There's a reason why in your vehicle today, there is a large windshield and a very small rearview mirror. Because we don't want you keeping looking in the rearview mirror. In fact, if you're doing that, I don't even want to be around you. I'd just rather not you share, I'd rather not have to share the road with you if you're always looking in your rearview mirror. Now, it does, 
help to sometimes look back and go, oh, that's where I came from, but that's not where I'm going. That's what happened. I think there's a reason why Paul said, I forget the things which are behind because I'm pressing forward. You realize if Peter had hidden in a corner and he had just decided, you know what, I've blown it too many times, I can't. I mean, if you read through Scripture, how many times Peter blew it and was not the rock that Jesus talked about, he could have folded up and said, that's just where I'm going to stay. But he knew that there was something inside of him, that there was a reason why God said, no, this is who I see you are. You see, there's more inside of you than what others see, more than what you even see. And you haven't forfeited a dream by a mistake because God says, I'm still going to bring it to pass in your life because I've started some good things in you and I'm not about to stop it. I'm not about to end it. Just because there's been some mistakes made, God still wants to bring it past, into pass in your life. See, God's got a great destiny for you. One other part of Peter's story that I want to I want to talk to you about, and and that's Peter going into a Gentile's home. You see, in, in Acts chapter ten, there's a dramatic shift in the presentation of the gospel that takes place. Prior to Acts chapter 10, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was only being preached and shared with those in the Jewish community. The Gentiles heard about it. They knew about it. There were even some who were God, what they termed God-fearers. They, were, they feared God and they, they loved God, but they were not part of the Jewish community. Even some of them were, were very generous. Uh, with uh, with their giving, especially to help the poor. And in Acts chapter 10, we find that, that God honors one of these God-fearers. But in the process, he's got to work something out of Peter because Peter's got some issues. Anybody, anybody got any issues? <laughs> yeah, God's working some issues out of my life too. But in Acts chapter 10, we read the story about Peter. And Peter is in, he's in Joppa, and, and he is, uh, well, he's hungry because it's about noontime, and he's up on the roof, and he's waiting for lunch to be fixed. And as he's up there, he, he has a vision. And in this vision, there's a, there's a sheet that comes down out of heaven, and, and in it are all kinds of what the Jewish people called unclean animals. And there were all kinds of them on there. And Peter hears a voice that says, Peter, get up and eat. And Peter goes, I don't think so. Uh, I know that everything on that sheet is an unclean animal, and I don't eat unclean animals. And three different times this, this sheet is let down, and the voice says to Peter, Rise and eat. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm a good Jewish boy. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not eating that. I haven't eaten that my whole life. I'm not about to start now. Then the voice comes from heaven and says, what I have called clean, don't you call unclean. There are some men coming to get you, and I want you to go with them. And when he 
comes out of the out of the vision, Cornelius and a contingent from Caesarea are at his door. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, go with Cornelius back to Caesarea. And when Paul gets, I mean, when, when Peter gets to, to Caesarea and he goes into to Cornelius' house, a Gentile, this is the very first thing that Peter says. You know that it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Now, hold on just for a second. You have to understand where Peter is. Peter is a strong Jewish man. And since childhood, he has been taught, do not go into a Gentile home. Do not associate with them. That's what he's been told since childhood. All of a sudden, God is dealing with Peter's own prejudices. Did you know for a follower of Jesus Christ, prejudice has no place in our lives? And in the, in the story in Acts chapter 10, God is getting prejudice out of Peter's life. Because the very next sentence as we complete that verse says, But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. You see, Cornelius' house, household had already believed in God, but they didn't know about Jesus. And so God sends Peter from Joppa all the way to Caesarea to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And as you study Scripture, you discover that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, but it is Peter who first brings the message of the good news to the Gentiles. Why? Because of an encounter with Jesus, when Jesus says, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Rock. Because you are strong in faith. Because I see in you something you don't see in yourself. We also know that later on, Paul challenges Peter because he acts different around the Gentiles than he does around the Jewish people. And, and, and Paul upbraids him for that. And what does that show us? It shows us sometimes life is messy. But sometimes it's challenging. You know, we would love to think that a walk with Christ is always up and to the right. But the reality is that it goes like this. And sometimes we do better than at other times. But the ultimate picture that we see of Peter is that he is a rock that Jesus called out of him at his first encounter. You see, according to traditions and writings in the first and second century, Peter stayed like a rock all the way to the end of his life. Because those writings tell us that he was executed by Nero in Rome and that Peter told his executioners that he was not worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Savior, and he requested to be crucified upside down. That he was a rock. That he became what God said 
he was. You see, if it wasn't for God, he tells, he tells Cornelius, but God has told me not to call anyone unclean. But God. You see, it was that, it was that encounter with Jesus Christ on the Sea of Galilee in the village of Capernaum that changed everything about Peter's life. And God said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to change your name because I see some things in you that nobody else sees. That I see some things. I see a destiny in you. And I want you to know today that God has a destiny for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a dream for you. He has a future for you. And it's not based on what's in the past. It's based on what's in the future and what's going to take place in your life. See, today I don't have time to even talk to you about when, when he stood before the Sanhedrin and, and dressed them down and told them it, it's better for us to, to follow what God says and to follow what you're saying. I, I don't even have time for that today. You see, some of you are wondering today why your battles are so intense, why the challenges you face are so strong. You ever wondered, why Why is this so tough? Why am I battling this? What? What's going on here? You see, there's an enemy that doesn't want to get you to your destiny, that wants to fight that. What he sees in you is you're a threat to his kingdom. But there is a God in heaven who is stronger in you than he that's in the world. That's what the Bible tells me. You see, Jesus sees what you don't see. He sees more than you can see. Did Peter make mistakes? Absolutely. But mistakes didn't keep him from fulfilling what Jesus saw in him. You see, and the same thing happens to us today. Where do we where do we go? Where do we get to there? The way that we get to there is the same place it happened with Peter, and it's an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because an encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything. I want you to know, I, I can't do anything about the past. I, I can't help how I got started. I, I think about Winston Churchill. He couldn't help how he started, but man, how he finished. You see, the question today is not what's in your past. It's it's not what happened yesterday. It's about what's going to happen today. What's going to happen tomorrow? What does the future look like? Because that's where you're headed. And God says, if you'll come into relationship with me, I will partner with you, and I will begin good things in you, and I will make sure that it gets completed. And just like Peter, it begins with that encounter with Jesus Christ. It begins by saying yes to him. You see, when I was in elementary school and we'd be playing a game and 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 I loved it when somebody would announce do over. I get a do over. And what did that mean? That meant I got one more chance. See, the great thing about life is that God says, I'll give you a do-over. God says, if you'll link up with me, 
if you'll receive Jesus Christ, he says, I'll let you start fresh. I'll give you a new beginning. I love new beginnings. I love the changes in seasons. I love the fact that we get to, that we get to begin again. And that's what God offers us through Jesus Christ is an opportunity to begin again, to meet that destiny that he sees inside of us, that we can move forward in him. You see, it's the same message that Peter gave to Cornelius. That we can be made clean through Jesus Christ. That all that stuff in the past can be done away with and we get to start over again. He told Cornelius this. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Father, I thank you today. Lord, for your incredible love for us. Father God, I thank you that for each one of us, Lord, you see great things in us that we don't even see in ourselves and perhaps even those around us don't see. Father God, when we are consumed with our mistakes and our failures, Father God, I thank you that you see a rock in us. Lord, that you see a destiny, that you see a future. Father, that we can put the mistakes of the past behind us and we can move into the destiny that you have for us. Father, that it all begins with Jesus Christ. It all begins in this moment. Father, I pray that in this moment, Father, somebody's life is going to change. Father, because in this moment, an encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything about the future. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. As we close our service, I want to give an opportunity. You know, Pastor Randy did a such a great job talking about how there's things that God sees in us and is calling out of us that we don't even see in ourselves. You know, as uh, in, in Acts 10, 36, that the good news is that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord. You know, I, I, have, uh, I believe that there's some people here today that, uh, you know, you, you've come to church and uh, maybe, maybe you've heard about Christ, maybe you've heard about God and his love, and, but you never experienced it. You know, Peter experienced God's love. He experienced a relationship where, where God is, where Jesus is speaking to Peter, saying, Peter, there's something more for your life. There's something more if you'll just trust me, if you have this relationship. And I believe there's some people in this room today that need to have that same kind of encounter, an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus like Peter did. And let God call things out of you that he's been wanting to call out of you for a long time. That no matter insecurities, no matter what you're going through, in the middle of all that, God can say, I can still use that for something good. I'll take all of your history. I'll take all of your past. I'll take all of your, your story. And let's do something good with it. Maybe today you're here and, and you'd be that person that says, you know, that's, that's me, what you're, who you're talking about. Um, the greatest thing that, that Peter did, the greatest thing I've ever done is say yes to Christ. Say yes to God. Say, God, I, I say yes to what you're wanting to do in my life. You see something that even I don't see. And it's an amazing journey God takes us on. When we just, we submit, we, we surrender and say, God, I'm going to trust you on this journey. And today, as Pastor Randy's been talking, I, I believe there's some people in this room that there's something that's been maybe kind of challenging you to say, man, there's something more, there's something greater. What is it? Can I tell you? It's relationship with God, with the God who created you, with the God who loves you, the God that gave his life for you. And before you leave today, I would love to lead you in a prayer that just invites, invites God, invites Christ to, to lead you on this journey where you'd say, yes, I say yes to God. 
As we end our service, this is how I want to do it. Uh, we'll close our eyes, we'll bow our head, and uh, if you do that right now, if you close your eyes and bow your head, if that's you today, and you say, yes, that's me, I acknowledge, and I want to ask God into my life. I want to ask God to, to start this relationship with me. See, some in this room, you've, you've been in a relationship for a while, and God wants to call things out of you, but there's a few in this room that you've never allowed God to call those things out. Maybe it's a little uh, unnerving. You're not sure what's going to take place. I guarantee you that's how Peter's journey was too. But the more he said yes to Christ, the more he said yes to God, the more he began to use his life for, to make a difference. And today, if that's you, I'm not going to call you down to the front, but I'm going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. So that's you today. You would say, yeah, it's me, Eric, and I, I would like to invite God into my life. I, want, I need his help. Would you do me a favor? Lift your hand right there in your seat. Let me know you're here. Awesome. I see a few hands. Anybody else? Can't do without God. Call out of me those things that even I don't see. One more opportunity. Anybody else in this room that would say, that's me? God, I need your help. God, I invite you into my life. I, I want a relationship with you. All right, for you that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a, a simple, it's a prayer relationship saying, God, I need your help. Forgive me. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves, that we confess, Lord, we, uh, we, we ask him to forgive us of our past. He gives us a new start. So today, if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're a Christ follower in this room, would you uh, pray with us so that, they're not, that we're not praying alone? And say this today. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge and I admit that I need your help. I cannot do it without you. Would you forgive me of my past, of my choices, of my sin? Would you give me a new start, a do-over today? I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on that cross for me so I could have a new life and a new start. Would you come into my life? I confess you as Lord. I want to follow your lead. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's, let's celebrate those that raised their hand today. So good. So, so good.